Hello and welcome to the Ramon Foster Show brought to you by the Get-Go Cafe and Market. He's Ramon in Hendersonville, Tennessee. I'm Dan Kovacevic in downtown Pittsburgh. And soon we'll be in the same place, which is actually kind of cool. I'm heading down to Nashville to cover the Penguins versus the Predators early next week. And we're hoping logistically to be able to pull off a show or two from down there. That'd be kind of neat. It would be kind of neat, DK. I think we're, we we owe that to each other to be around and see each other too, and then of course to our fan base. So I think our interaction we'll probably just go and won't even do segments behind it, DK. What you think about that? Just let it fly. One of the things that we actually th- tossed about here was doing it live. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, know? we could do a Q and A. That wouldn't be bad at all. Yeah. DK. Yeah. Now that we said it, now we're probably kind of locked into because everybody's going, uh, going. Oh yeah, live. Yeah. Do, do it live. Do it live. Your false promises. How dare you? Yeah. I, I kind of like it. Anybody can like we could do it at like Legends Corner, and everybody who's in the Nashville area and Broadway can come on down yeah. and ask questions in person. Now we're getting them going yeah, here. We're then they're gonna ask for tickets to the hockey game too while they're there. You know what? Well, I would say this. <laughs> the Pittsburgh Nashville rivalry is deep okay i was about to say well that game right there it may not be anybody there because the predators aren't that good but no the penguins are coming to town yes and everyone remembers that the penguins ruined nashville's dreams of their only championship would have been their only championship ever in professional sports history and the penguins came in there and was like nah we had we hadn't won one since the year before, so we're just gonna win another one, right? Yeah. When, when you're good, you're good though, and that's all that matters, right? But to that point, are you saying get us getting them tickets? Not for that no, game, DK. Not, not for that one. No. no. You had a terrific idea for this particular episode here. Was, I did, and you just dropped that like from the sky. Like, let's compare Alex Highsmith to Lamar Woodley. And man, I, th- then we started looking things up. This was before yeah. we got on. And the the trajectories, the positions, they wear the same number, both yeah. 56s. And if you look at at Woodley's career, obviously he flamed out after he got paid. <laughs> but well, I can say that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and he he did so like right around he took off at yeah. age 25, 26, so forth. Well, Highsmith is 25. He turns 26 in August, coming off 14 and a half sacks, five forced fumbles. You tell me. You tell me. What is your comparison of the two players? I, I think it's about the same with the understanding of what's supposed to move the needle moving forward, too. I, I think one coaches learn from certain stuff. To your point about Wood, like whether it was injuries that got him to that point, to where he was just – not the guy, you know, after he got paid. I think Coach Tomlin and his staff would fight that off way better this time around. And to your point, looking at the trajectory of how their careers went, DK, mm-hmm. it honestly is about the same tip for Tad. And if I tell you guys you're going to get a, a a second coming of uh, Lamar Woodley with how good he was, I think some would take you up on this. I'll say this, me being around Wood and knew how he played – let me say this about Wood, ultimate competitor. He wanted to be really good, too. His flexibility for his size was like none other, man. That guy could bend. 
He was strong as ever, man. And he had long arms. Like, you look at Wood Walker, it looked like his, his arms are touching, like, his kneecaps in a sense because, <laughs> like, he was, like, a big-digit guy. Like, I think Wood wore the same shoe size that I did. He had long arms, bulky body with how he approached it. And he they maximized as much as they possibly could out of a second-round draft pick. Almost exactly the same as Alex Highsmith. Wood's stats go like this, and it's pretty wild to actually see, man. Came in as a rookie. Four sacks, what was it, Uh, three TFLs, if I'm not mistaken, seven quarterback hits. And he gradually, I feel like DK, took the same uh, pathway as Alex Highsmith is, too. That second year, 2008, the year they won the Super Bowl, too, 11 and a half sacks. Uh, What was it, 16 TFLs, the third year. This is the year he made the Pro Bowl and All-Pro, my rookie year. I'm looking around at these dudes like, boy. This makes me want to, you know, like accelerate my career because in that point, it was him and Lawrence Timmons were the young guys. You remember that group right there? Mm-hmm. Timmons was the first rounder and Wood was the second rounder. And if I'm not mistaken, I had to look up LT stats. Wood made the Pro Bowl before LT did. And I think Wood also got paid before LT did also. Because he got it was paid just, quick. He, he got, got paid, paid quick. Yeah. because it was what, DK? We got to get him while he's hot. We got to lock this guy in, right? Yeah, although the problem with locking a guy in, don't make me get all negative on this subject. Well, let me let me let me let me, yeah. let me finish it up real okay. quick, man. So he made All Pro second team and Pro Bowl his third year as an outside rusher in a Pittsburgh Steelers defense. The next year, uh, I think that's the year he ended up getting paid ten sacks that year, and uh, if I'm not mistaken, nine uh, TFLs. So he had a really hot almost five years in Pittsburgh because. 2011, it was also nine sacks. So the production was there. If I'm not mistaken, Alex Highsmith's production is very much close to what Wood has done, too. And this also lends it back to DK before you get started. Whenever you have a nucleus, a thesis of what everything is, you find something something similar and you do the exact same thing. And they did that with fitting the mold of Wood and Alex Highsmith. And I think guys that came after them, too, Bud was another guy who was in that situation. Although Bud never got the big-time sacks. No, yeah, Bud's a, Bud's a kind of a, on, a, on a separate train track with, with this whole conversation. Even though they're, you know, same position and Bud was brought in in large part to try to replace Woodley and everything else. But if you look at uh, the way Woodley's career went, you know, he did get paid. He... You know, he did get banged up. <laughs> yep. But when I think of that New England game at Heinz Field, it was I mean, he had an injury in that game as well. But before he was hurt, yeah, he was Tom Brady's worst enemy. <laughs> he was unblockable on that edge. Unblockable. Yeah. Yeah. And that's not something that I can say for any of these players that we're talking about in this conversation, other than if we were to interject TJ into it. Yeah. Okay, where you That's just fair. you have you had the Patriots, they were trying everything. It's not like Bill Belichick wasn't aware of him. No, they just couldn't stop him. And it was one of the few things that was going right for the Steelers defense that day. You'll recall And once he got hurt, it, it didn't go right. <clears throat> And, and, and that sucks, too. And that also lends us to uh, our other conversation we had when it came down to Aaron Curry and how guys are projected and what they actually do. Like, injuries will, you know, derail your career sometimes and how you get back aren't supposed to start playing thereafter. Would, whether he got happy after he got paid to, knowing that, look, I ain't got to rush this back or the sense of urgency was there. Like, the ability to actually maximize as much as he did in Pittsburgh – 
dude blows my mind. Yeah, see, I, I actually got to know him pretty well in his time in Pittsburgh, and it it, it didn't that the relationship kind of fizzled at the end because they got a call like it is, and he didn't appreciate that. But he he had all this talent, yeah, and the injuries obviously weren't his fault. But what happened to him, I thought, after after he had a couple of those injuries, in addition to having gotten paid and maybe you know the Super Bowl, like you said, yeah. that, that kind of complete. stuff, but. But man, he he was in just a denial over it. Yeah, he just what, what do you mean? What do you mean I'm not playing? Well, dude, you have like no sacks, you have no TFLs, you have no quarterback hits. I don't know. Do you want me to spell this out for you? What yeah. is, okay. Yeah. And and it is just what do you mean? He, he was one of those, and you deal. I'm sure you've dealt with players that are like that. Oh, 100 percent, like, man. I don't even know what you're talking about. You know. And DK, that's, let's let's go into that because I love to know your side of it versus what I saw in certain things. Let's too. do that. What let's it do was. that. Yep. When we come back on the Ramon Foster Show. Welcome back to the Ramon Foster Show. And continuing our our subject uh, from the opening segment of I don't want to call it. Woodley versus Highsmith, but when you're doing a comparison, that's kind of what you're doing here. And to me, Moan, yeah. peak, peak Woodley is better than what we've seen so far from Peak Highsmith. Really? Oh, yeah. Uh, look, I'm not saying that Alex can't find another gear. Yeah. Every year he's gone up. You, yes, you, he has. you learn not to bet against trends. Okay. Yeah. And I mentioned yeah. his numbers in the first segment, but let me throw something at you. Where, where Alex is concerned. I want to see a consistent disruption factor, even on the plays where he doesn't record a sack okay. or doesn't record a TFL. Now, this is where I'll bring Bud into it. Okay. Bud never needed a single sack to be a devastating force on your defense. Why? Because he was the Tasmanian devil. He was that guy that would go into the other team's O-line and what were those Tasmanian devil sounds? Whatever. And then whirling and spinning and everything else. And by the time he's done, it's a hurricane that's leveled everything so in his path. So then TJ comes in after the fact and goes, hey, this is great. Okay. <laughs> he's looking at all these trees that are flattened in the landscape. And all he has to do is go take go to the quarterback and take him down. And Bud doesn't get any credit for it. But you know who told me this himself? Who? TJ. TJ this did. Was before, before Bud became Bud in Pittsburgh, TJ said, you have, talking to me, you have no idea how much he means to me. Not trying to build him up or anything. Oh. He just said, he, he's, he's disruptive. They, the other, other teams can't stand facing him. I'm going to date myself here with another good dynamic on this front. This was Kevin Green doesn't get into the Hall of Fame without Greg Lloyd. Okay. Greg Lloyd was the destroyer. He was on the opposite end of that bookend of the Steelers' defense from the mm -hmm. 90s. Okay? And Kevin Green, as a result, would have a straight line. Now, he was really, really good at the straight line pursuit, and he was right. really, really good at sacking, and not to speak ill of the recently passed, but not all that good at everything else. Okay. Okay. Respect. That's the reason that he had Greg Lloyd at his ceremony in Canton and everything else because he does. Lloyd is the guy who probably should have gotten he the knew. jacket. He, yeah, knew. he knew. He knew. Okay. He knew. 
Now, TJ, oh, to his credit, obviously has been consistently great, including DPOY after Bud. Okay, so yeah. there's, I'm not taking yep, anything yep, away yep. from TJ here, but TJ knew the value of that, and that's what I want to see more of from Alex. That's fair. So let me ask you this. Of course, you know where I cover, uh, which team I cover and my day job, right? Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if it's fan conversation or if it's league conversation, but the idea that Bud could be released because he's had a couple of injuries and hadn't, he got a heavy check, okay? With all that being said, I know for a fact because I've had conversations. He just didn't get healthy. He wasn't allowed to in a sense, right? Would you take him back if no. Pittsburgh came knocking? No question about that. I, I just – you know, I, I I think you know. Yeah, everybody has to go through a physical and whatever else here. Yeah. But if, if you have a triumvirate like that in Pittsburgh, that's something that you'd absolutely take. You know a what I mean? Three man rush game. Well, that's what you want anyway. Yeah. That's what these guys. That's what these guys did when Bud was here. It was Anthony Chicolo as the third guy. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's true. So, so you know, even this this past season, those guys had you know TJ and, and Alex had to log a lot more that maybe they wanted to. They had Malik Reed out there way more than anybody wanted to, other than maybe Malik. <laughs> you know, that didn't, that didn't go well at all. I'm sorry. Uh, I just, I'd like to see Alex graduate to that next level. I, I'd okay. like to see him. I want to know that 56 is playing on plays that aren't sacks or yeah. aren't TFLs. That's that's fair, and, and and DK, we're going a totally different direction. I thought too, but that's interesting that you say that because I look at his stat line or uh, the end of the season, and mm-hmm. I say, God, Lee, this dude's got fourteen oh. and a half sacks. Yeah, you can't argue that's with that. Interesting yeah. because the public look at that and they care about those types of things, DK. And you're right; those guys like Greg Lloyd or Bud or you know guys on the opposite side. You know, I know him personally, Ryan Clark and Troy's dynamic. You don't get that appreciation for what they were able to do because the guy in front of them is the actual gold jacket guy. It's, it, I mean, I'll say this because our, our, RC was playing, which sounds crazy because it wasn't that long ago, but in a different defensive era. Yeah, so he, he, he was. He could tear people's heads off. Yeah. Like it was no problem. Same thing with Mike Mitchell after him. There, was, there weren't rules really, okay? Yeah. They could just rip people's heads off. Well, who benefited from RC ripping people's heads off? Troy, because he dared Troy. anybody to go over Troy's yeah. head. Yeah, just I mean, he, RC's scaring the hell out of all of them, and Troy's waiting for the waiting for the goal to come. Down. And now again, that's not saying that Troy is in the hall no, because no. of Ryan Clark. Uh, no. It's saying that there are relationships like this. Yeah, and I'm impressed. Not to, I don't want to sound like I'm down on Alex Highsmith at all. No, okay. Uh, there's no question that TJ benefits from Alex. There's no question. And I mean, statistically that Alex benefits from TJ. Most of those sacks came when TJ's playing. Yep. Yep. 100% because TJ commands that type of attention at all times. I I think that's fair to challenge him because guys struggle with this a little bit too. Like what else is, is next? You know, like for a guy like them, the rushers, even the D tackles, boy, I got to get to double digit sacks, double digit sacks. And then you get there and you realize, well, what did I do in between double digit sacks? Mm-hmm. And the old, uh, the, the old saying was a sack is a million, per, it's a million dollars per sack, meaning in your yeah. future contract. Yeah. But like when you look at a position in which you say, well, Bud didn't have double digit sacks ever. And he still got on contract, I think 70 plus million dollars. And so there, are, they there have is film. value. 
they the, have film. They have film. <laughs> the Titans had film. So, to they, your they point, they knew. They didn't have to look at his stats. Exactly. And this was coming off a torn ACL at that, right? Oh yeah. So to there your was point, faith. yeah, yeah, there was faith. So, so your point about being able to Alex Highsmith being the Tasmanian Devil at all times and trusting somebody that's practiced against Bud, he's that. I, I used to look at him on those Fridays when it's the light practice. We're like, dog, you are heavy. Oh. Bud. <laughs> B- because he hit you and you'd be like, God, dog, how much do you weigh? But that's what he that's what his impact was in, in, in games too, DK. It was you didn't you didn't recognize the image and the name because he's not the league guy. But the guys that played those type of dudes, like a wood, like a bud, heck, even worlds for a year, right? Yeah, worlds, I mean, the- worlds worlds was more I, I thought worlds was more of a he figured out a way to get there. He had a lot of moves in his arsenal. He, he wasn't mean at all. He wasn't mean, but the, like the effectiveness nicest. of what that one year was, though, he was like, geez, oh. we got us one. He got there. He 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 knew he knew how to get from point A to point B, and point B was the quarterback. Heck yes, man. It, it, is that what the Steelers need moving forward? More of those grunt guys, DK. Or they need to show up. I'll take a Tasmanian devil. I know that. I'll always take a Tasmanian devil. You know? Me too. Me too. When we come back, the only segment that matters. That's a long Welcome back to the Ramon Foster Show and the only segment that matters. And that is brought to you always by the Getco Cafe and Market where quality is at the core of every menu item, where three, not one, not two, but three expert chefs fine-tune every detail so that every sub-burger, salad, wrap, drink, and app is crafted for what they call craveability. Order your favorite item at the Get-Go Cafe and Market today. Better believe it. Doug Coley says, Hey, Moan, what's the difference between a good talent and a generational talent. See, what I that, wish Doug would have said great versus generational. Because you hear yeah, great a lot. You yeah, know? You do. Like if you uh, say Mika, Mika Fitzpatrick is a great player. Great. But you yeah. say but you say Troy Palomalu is a generational talent. You know what? Uh, let's, that fair? let's go with those two. Let's go with those okay. two. Go, go right ahead. Because great turns into generational. You know how? Mm. Time. More That's time. It exactly. That's I, I, it. What if Minka like, plays longer than Troy and ends up, you know, catching interceptions that would challenge Ed Reed? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. And and that's and 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 so this is the other portion of it too. I think it's unfair. You get generational also by the fact of guys being a part of Super Bowl or world championship type teams too. And I, I kind of think that portion of it is somewhat unfair. When we're speaking about like the 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 way guys are, I think there's only one guy that that comes to mind right now uh, that was great on bad teams, and that's Joe Thomas to me, just off top, who's going into mm-hmm. the Hall of Fame. Generational talent, would you say, DK? Yeah, or very very good. I mean, 
See, this is why this conversation. I think think a lot of what happened with Joe Thomas, this is not disrespecting his career, was obviously brilliant, okay? Yeah. A lot of what happened with Joe Thomas was he was the only player on those teams. So he was the one guy you would talk about all week long in Facebook. Well, they do have Joe Thomas. Well, that also says about how good he was, though, too, because he was met on the team with other generational guys that didn't line up to it or who was supposed to be, meaning they had so many high draft picks, DK and listeners, Mm -hmm. that they're supposed to have a team full of them. When you're drafting in the top 10 every year, why are they so much different than what Joe Thomas was? You know what I'm saying? So Mm -hmm. in order, let's go from great to generational because they're, they're, they're all like splitting hairs on how you do it. So let's go Minka and Troy. I think there is nobody that has a a bone in their body that won't say Minka Fitzpatrick ain't great. Like, uh, no, that'd be kind of stupid. <laughs> he's a great player. Troy, yes. early on, and he'll tell you his rookie year, he thought he was going to be kicked out of the league. That was a conversation he said time and time again because he didn't live up to what he thought he should have. That That's just personal. Troy, though, yeah. That's Troy, of course. <laughs> but Troy's got the rings. Troy's got defensive player of the year. Correct. Mm-hmm. And Troy also, which Mika and maybe his second year could have potentially won that one too. Um, and, and Troy got the all pros and pro bowls that go along with it. That all came over time. You know what I'm saying? I and do. All- and then there's a lot of, there's a lot of, when you're talking about generational, you're to me that the separator. Yeah. Okay. Tends to be the player that did something that wasn't done before or the player that does something to change the game is always kind of an over the top statement. Like Mel Blunt changed the game. He did. Randy Moss. Randy Moss changed the game. Those are generational. Okay. You put those up on some other bracket and you just leave them there. You don't, you don't mess with them. Okay. You're doing something that nobody had done before. Barry Sanders. You're, 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 you're way up on some other level. Okay, yeah. there there hasn't been anybody like Sanders since Mean Joe Green, Mean Joe, generation you know, mean, mean Joe more from a team standpoint. No, I look at how he disrupted folks in that mm-hmm. era. That was generational. Okay, like you didn't find okay. a guy that was doing what he was doing in that era. That's right. Fair. That's you fair. Can, you, so let, let's go to a young guy in this league, right? I'd say Minka's great. He becomes generational with more time. Okay, if he has the ability to get Defensive Player of the Year, which I think he has in him. If yes. they have the ability to pull a Super Bowl out, you say that, right? Yeah, because somewhere along the line to that Super Bowl, to winning that Super Bowl with Minka as your safety, he's going to have come up with some very, very significant plays that will raise that profile and yep. raise that status on a national scale. Yep. Um, a- another situation of this is guy that pops off. It's two guys that pop off to me. I'll go OL first. Trent Williams to me is a generational guy. Okay. I don't think we've seen guys move like that with that type of power, with that type of consistency. Like Bakhtiari is really good. At, in that's Green the Bay. name that comes to mind for me here. But that, Does and that's it. And by the way, your compadres on your line, uh, yeah. all your guys, and, and Alejandro Villanueva in particular, when I asked Al, who's the guy? And that's always the direction he'd point. He goes, he's in, yep, he's in Green Bay. He's well, it's all Al would sit there and study film with a guy. Yes, he would. Just, yeah, and you you saw it yourself. I just heard about it, mm-hmm. and that was the player upon which he hoped to model himself to an extent. 
Yeah. To an extent, meaning looking at techniques, looking at different things that he does. Mm-hmm. That was his guy, and he's not the only lineman that I've heard say that. No, for sure. Him and, and me, the reason I put Trent up there, because athletically, it ain't many people that can do what he's doing. Mm-hmm. Meaning his technique, I wish you would try to learn how to pass it like he does. No, because it's only meant for people who are generational like him. Another guy, in my opinion, DK, is Michael Parsons. Okay. Generational. Even as a young guy. And let me explain why. You don't know where to play him other than the fact that you know he has to play on the field at some in some fashion. He can be an outside linebacker, inside linebacker. He line up over the guard, and through all of that, he's productive as heck. His speed is out of this world right now in today's game with how he plays it. Hey, I got to give him props. No, he is – I mean, he certainly has that potential in my viewpoint. I thought he had that potential when he was here at Penn State. Did you? Oh, yeah. I mean, this was, this was always seen as someone up to it, including his recruiting. Who was on some other, you know, on some other level, you know, and, and and Penn State did well to get him. And then obviously the Cowboys did well to recognize him, too, because, you know, uh, he was drafted. What, what was the year he was drafted? What, what, what uh, slot was two he years taking? ago now. Was it 20, yeah. 2020? Yeah, 2021. And I'm trying to look up here when he was taken in that yeah. draft. Um, it was. But yeah, this was this was a, a significant, a significant, and, and remains a significant player. Somebody who can be a lot of things reminds me a lot of uh, Lavar Arrington, who's another yep. Penn State guy who came out, ended up going to Washington. Uh, he's actually local from Pittsburgh, and, and mm-hmm. uh, it was just one of those guys who you just saw as being able to do anything. Yeah, you know, Michael and yeah, Micah Parsons, twelfth overall. I mean, eleven teams said no, thanks. Exactly. You know who else? Another like eleven teams said no thanks to another generational mm. guy, Aaron mm. Donald. Oh man, <laughs> it was who's I done mean, what he's done at his size. You want to talk about changing the position, changing the game? Yeah, yeah. I mean, he he ended the concept of the traditional nose tackle. What he, is he, that? He, he just <laughs> he just he just took shovel and dirt and put it all over that for all time. Just like he, in that conversation. That's it. That's it. Now, AD is actually a great example. It might be the best one we've given yet. It, it, it may be the best one in today's game. Quarterbacks, to me, either well, they're bad or they're great. Well, not they're, they're either bad, good enough to win, or they're great in today's game, I feel yeah, like. Yeah, so generational, though, again, to go back to the subject, though, generational, out of all of the current group – Okay, out of all of them, the only one that fits that bill is Mahomes. Okay, I, so I can't me, put Joe Burrow in there. No, not, no, no, I, I can't do that. That is 100% correct, right? Let, let me go in a different lane too, DK, of generational, man. And you let me know where you're at on it. Despite, I'm going to say this, mm-hmm. despite the outside stuff. And we're speaking about what we saw oh, from no. this guy. Oh, no. Come, you're, wait, you're, you're, I don't oh, even know. I know where you're going. No, hear me out now. Go ahead, go ahead. Generational. Yeah, changed it. Yeah, Mike Vick. Yep, yep. Because Mike Vick Vick was Mike Vick was Lamar before there was a Lamar. Okay, come on. And Lamar Jackson (laughs) comes in. Lamar Jackson comes in, and he's squeaky clean, and he gets everything done. And the the entire Baltimore offense gets built around him. The unstoppable offense, which only was stoppable by the Pittsburgh Steelers, by the way. (laughs) But he. He was an MVP. 
but Vic came before him. And Vic was doing stuff in Atlanta that was stratospheric. Stratospheric. I used to, when people would ask, people would ask back around Vic's prime again with the Falcons. Yeah. Who's, who do you think is the greatest athlete in the world? And a lot of common answers are always going to be, meaning the planet, okay? Common answers were going to be, you know, the soccer players, Ronaldo, Messi, uh, and so forth. Um, you were also going to get a lot of basketball. You were going to get LeBron. Yep. You were going to get whatever, okay? And all of that was – and I would just say Michael Vick. I would oh. say it every time. Because he's doing what he's doing with a lot of large, bad men trying to hurt him. Okay. (laughs) There are no fouls in football. Okay. There's no yellow cards or red cards. He's just that much bigger, stronger, tougher, faster, and especially faster than anybody. Yeah. And you know how, how, how you can really say generational because there's a guy that has some legal issues that had to go do prison time and actually did. And deserves it. Yeah. Deserved it. And, and we'll admit that too. We'll admit that. He he did to us when he came to Pittsburgh. He yep. owns it, right? Mm-hmm. And and he gets out, and he takes a Philly team that was probably dead and buried to places they didn't think they were going to be and actually still did some of those same things after getting out of jail. And not only that, DK, to go to prison, get out of prison, and then go sign another $100 million contract. Is that not generational if we can erase? Yeah. Not erase, if we can take that out of the conversation. Yeah, I'm a big, big, big believer in societal second chances. Uh, I think for this particular conversation, it hurts him a lot. Oh, like oh, a yeah. lot. Oh, okay? yeah. Where, where when you brought it up, how I brought up Lamar, yeah. That's how I think the conversation would go to more people. Well, yeah, but yeah, but Lamar came along and Lamar was all that without all the crap. Even if he give that credit, I don't even think Vic it, it really believes it. I, I think he know he was that guy. And I'll say this too. Now that type of quarterback of all races, okay, is acceptable because of what he was able to do. And they found a way to mold that and make it in today's NFL. Every single quarterback in his league now. Oh, 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 so something to him. And then before him, Cordell. Steve Young. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, but I'm talking about in terms of you know African Americans. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 yeah, That's 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 a different dialogue entirely. But Cordell was the one getting all the crap. Cole Pepper for a lot of years. This 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 is another conversation for another day. There is one name I want to throw in though. Please. Before we go out, Antonio Brown. Mm Hmm. Yeah. And DK. He's so much better than everybody else. And it wasn't even close. And it was not even close. For about four, maybe five years. Unbelievable. Could nobody touch him. And when we start talking about his Hall of Fame bid, and I don't know how far he's taken away from that, to me, to be Hall of Fame status, you got to have about, at those type of positions, Mm -hmm. three to five years of just pure dominance. And he did. No question about that. No question. When we come back, the only segment that matters. Hey, Moan? No, that was it. That was Hey, Moan. You're so wrapped up in this conversation. You forgot this was it, DK. 
this conversation got you, and we're keeping this. Deca- uh uh-uh. uh. We need to that's, pick this one up. That's how you know it's good. This is what my face looks like in a combination of being red from sunburn in Florida at spring training, and then not realizing that this was a. I ain't ever heard seeing you be that red, man. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. Doug says, uh, Doug Doug gets the award for best hey moan question for making it so good that it should have been a whole show. We'll pick it up again some other day. You just keep making fun of me the whole weekend. And next week is combine conversation. Maybe I don't know, DK. That's right. Well, again, for everybody who's, uh, you know, who's, uh, who's a regular watching this show, uh, just a reminder that we're going to try to hook up yeah. on Monday and have some yeah. fun with an in-person Ramon Foster show. <laughs> <laughs> I'll try to break my brain to the next Amateurs. 